What's going on, Cornerstone? Man, listen, I know it's gloomy outside. I know it's raining outside just a little bit. But I got to ask you, despite all of that, did anybody come excited about Jesus this afternoon? Let's go, man. Hey, y'all, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. Super grateful, super thankful for each and every one of you uh, that made it out to church this afternoon. Also, major shout out to all of our first-time guests. Cornerstone, let's make our first-time guests feel welcome real quick. Hey, it's our prayer that even though this is your first time, this will not be your last time. And also a shout out to all of you uh, who are watching us online. With that being said, y'all, uh, we're going to go into part two of our relationship restart series. So last week, uh, you and I had a conversation around this idea of how do you navigate conflict. And in case you weren't here, uh, here's essentially where we landed the plane. Oftentimes in conflict, you and I want to prove how right we are. But what if, in fact, the goal in conflict isn't to prove why you're right? What if the goal is to actually try and be light? What if the goal is to try to represent Jesus in the midst of conflict so that people can be drawn to him? And when we sat down as a teaching team, when we sat down as a communication team, and we thought about just the overarching theme of this entire series, the reality is, is here's what our hope is and here's what our prayer is, is that all of us would learn. You and I grow up in most of the time households to where we are taught things that are counterintuitive to what Jesus actually taught. What do you mean, Pastor Brent? Let me give you an example. I'm going to be able to tell uh, how many of you all grew up in a house like mine whose mama and daddy is a little bit hood every now and again. Here's how I'm going to know. Um, you and I finish this line. You go to school. If somebody hits you, hit, see, I got a whole bunch of hood parents in here. We're taught hit them back. We come from these backgrounds where we're taught if somebody says something mean to me, I'm going to say something mean to you. If you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. Let me ask you a question. For those of us who are still have that same attitude, how's that working out for you? Probably not too well because here's the reality. Jesus teaches us, hey, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, how about you turn to them the other so the question is, how do I take steps instead of being this type of person that's a peace breaker? How do I become a peacemaker? Here's our big idea. Peace begins with a look in the mirror. Say it again. Peace begins with a look in the mirror. You see, all too often, you and I have this tendency to be able to have 20-20 vision when it comes to what they did. But what about the part that you played in the mess? See, some of you are sitting here right now and you're saying, well, Pastor Brent, most of it is their fault. And I would say you might be right. And let's just say, let's just pretend that they're 98% wrong. What about your 2%? You see, here's what I want us to do. I want us to start taking ownership in relationships for our part in the conflict, for our part in the mess. And the way I take ownership is peace begins when I stop and I take a look in the mirror. 
and take responsibility for what I've done. I'm excited for where this conversation is getting ready to go. Before I go any further, would you do me a favor? Join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, your word says that apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Father, today during this service, would you give me the grace to say what it is you want me to say and nothing more than that? Hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me. Let them only see you. And wherever I mess up, Holy Spirit, would you make it up? And I pray at the conclusion of this message, each and every one of us would get to this place to say that I'm going to be a peacemaker, not a peacebreaker, and I'm going to do this by taking a look in the mirror. I thank you. I bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. So several years back, I was in my early 20s. I was hanging out uh, at a friend of mine's house. This friend was a little older than me. It was a couple. Uh, they had already had kids. Uh, one of their kids was this two-year-old son at the time. His name was Little Craig. And so here it is. I'm at their house, and Little Craig, like most two-year-old toddlers, is just full of energy. At 35, I wish I could borrow something. So here it is. Little Craig, two-year-old, he's running all over the house. His Parents keep telling him, Lil' Craig, stop running. Stop running. Lil' Craig, he ain't paying no kind of attention to his parents. So here it is. Lil' Craig keeps on running. And all of a sudden, Lil' Craig is running. He ain't paying attention. And then, boom, Lil' Craig runs to the wall. Now watch it. When Greg hits the wall, Craig goes, ah! He starts crying. He's mad, which is a natural reaction. But here's what happens next. After Lil' Craig gets over the shock of running to a wall that he hit, Lil' Craig looks at the wall, he does this with his face, he balls up his fist, he runs towards the wall, and he goes, boom, and he hits the wall. Then he looks at the wall and he says, hmm, and he walks away like he did something in that moment. What happens next is something that helped to shape my theology. My friend Quincy was over at the house as well, and we're all laughing at little Craig and how he responds, and Quincy says out loud, he says, isn't it amazing how the sinful nature has this ability to show up in a two-year-old? Watch this. Some of you are saying, wait a minute, I don't understand this whole sinful nature conversation. All this little kid did was hit a wall. The Bible says this, you and I are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And what that means is the moment you and I have come out of our mother's womb, we have a natural proclivity to sin. No one has to teach us how to do wrong. We just know how to do it. Check it out. Y'all, little Craig couldn't read. Little Craig couldn't write. Little Craig couldn't change himself. Little Craig can't even feed himself. Little Craig is 100% dependent upon his mom and dad. But you know what Little Craig knew how to do? Little Craig knew how to get revenge. And nobody had to teach him how to do it. How does this relate to you and I? The reality is, is that some of us in this room are just like Little Craig. Because when it comes to conflict, even though we may be mature in age, we are spiritually immature when it comes to resolving conflict. We get angry, we hit things, we say things, we do things that we probably shouldn't do. And here's what Jesus wants you and I to strive for. Jesus wants you and I to strive for 
when it comes to people who have done us wrong or even in moments where we might have messed up, he wants us to strive for peace. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse number 9. This here is called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, here's what I love, y'all. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7 actually makes up the entirety of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and I want you to see what Jesus has to say during this sermon, which was the greatest sermon that was ever recorded. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in verse number 9 that God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Jesus says, listen, for those of you who work towards peace, I bless you and identify you as my children. Now watch this. Could it be that there are some of us here who are missing out on some of the blessings that God has in our life because we spent more time being peace breakers than we have being peacemakers. One of the reasons why I love the Sermon on the Mount is because if you ask me who I think Jesus was talking to on the Sermon on the Mount, y'all, I believe that Jesus was talking to church people. And the reason why I believe that Jesus was talking to church people, because if you read the entire Sermon on the Mount, there's these moments where Jesus says, you have heard it said A, B, and C, but I say X, Y, and Z. Watch this. Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to call the mountain Sermon on the Mount at Mount Cornerstone. So Jesus is giving the Sermon at Mount Cornerstone at 11.55. And here's what Jesus says at Mount Cornerstone at 11.55. You have heard it said so many times before to do this because these Jews who are listening to Jesus give this sermon have the Torah. And he says, this is what the Torah says do. But here's the issue. Your teachers, your pastors, your rabbis, even though they told you the surface level of what Torah actually teaches you, of what Scripture actually teaches you, they were able to cover the surface, but they missed the heart behind what God was trying to communicate. And I want you to see what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount about how you and I deal with anger, how you and I deal with conflict. We're going to look at verse number 21. Here it is. Jesus says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. So here's what Jesus does, y'all. Jesus tells them the obvious sin. He says, hey, if you go out here and you kill someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, all of us in this room know that a murder is an obvious sin. And he ain't talking about hypothetical murder. He ain't talking about I looked at my husband and he ain't washed the dishes and I killed him in my mind. He ain't talking about that. He's talking about, hey, I'm actually out here ready to go and kill somebody. Watch what happens in the next verse. Verse number 22, he says, but I say... If you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in dangers and fires of hell. Watch this. Jesus says, I know you all know about not murdering anybody, but let me raise the bar. Let me talk to you about anger. Jesus says, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Now, some of you may be saying, hold on, Pastor Brent, this doesn't make sense because from what, I've been, from what I know, anger is a natural human emotion and it's an emotion that comes from God. And I would say, you're 100% correct. 
As a matter of fact, if you spend some time reading your Bible, you will know that there's this moment in Scripture where Jesus gets angry. He go to church, y'all, and he starts flipping over tables. And he ain't flipping over because he was happy. Scripture says he goes into the church, he starts flipping over tables because he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus gets upset because he sees people being taken advantage of. Jesus gets upset because he's seeing people get harmed. But here's what you need to notice about Jesus as it relates to anger, y'all. When Jesus gets angry, it never leads to the harm of another individual. When Jesus gets angry, it leads to correction. And the problem with so many of us is we allow anger to get to the point to where it goes into harm. And you and I should never get so angry where we start to call people out of their names to where we start to curse people. Jesus says, no, be angry, but be angry and sin not. Be angry over something that's righteous. If you want to get angry because you see a person getting taken advantage of, if you want to be angry because you see a person being hurt, if you want to get angry because you're the person that got hurt, I'm okay with that. But don't allow that anger to then turn into this attitude of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Now look at what Jesus says next. Here's what he goes on to say. This is how I know for sure he's talking to church people. It says in verse 23, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, 24, Jesus says, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Brent Hatcher translation. Jesus says, get your priorities straight. Because here's what happens. Too many of us are sitting in church at Mount Cornerstone at 11.55. And there are some people back at home, people back on your job, people back in your community who you're at odds with. And I don't care if it's 98% their fault. You still need to own your 2%. So here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, how about this? Leave the temple. Put your sacrifice down. Put the communion down. Put the coffee down. And go and be reconciled to them. Go and make Y'all, when I was reading this passage, uh, I said, man, Jesus, when you wrote this one, you had Brent Hatchett on your mind. And let me tell you why I believe he had Brent Hatchett on his mind. Y'all, I've been married going in February on 11 years to the most amazing, the most beautiful, the most gorgeous, the most intelligent, the most God-fearing, the most hilarious, the kindest woman on this side of heaven, my wife, Shannon Nicole Hatchett. You clap. Thank you. Y'all got to help me get brownie points when I get home. But here's the thing, even though we've made it 11 years now and our marriage is thriving, and I don't say that lightly, our marriage is really thriving. I'm not saying that because I'm standing on a stage because I know what it's like to be in a marriage when it's not thriving. Matter of fact, I know that because it wasn't thriving in years two, three, four, five, six, pushing seven. It was a rocky road. And in our relationship, here was the issue, y'all. The only thing I could see was the stuff that she was doing wrong. Shannon, you're not doing this. Shannon, you're not doing that. Shannon, how come you ain't do this? Come home, sing full of dishes. Shannon, how come it's always sing full of dishes? 
wife uh, coaches track and field on the NCAA level, and she oftentimes has to travel and has an intensive schedule. And I'm saying, oh, how come I got to be the one that always got to pick up and drop off our kids? This is Monday through Saturday. But you know what I was doing on Sunday? Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. And you know what happened the next, next Monday? And then comes Sunday. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive. Jesus said, hold up, player. Why do you keep coming to church every single weekend knowing you haven't made the necessary strides to make peace? And let me say this, I'm using my wife as an example, but this principle applies across all relationships. It applies to your kids. It applies to distant relatives. It applies to significant others. It applies to coworkers. So I'm sitting here and I'm doing all this complaining and I'm coming to church and I'm trying to do this, but at the same time, I can only see the parts that my friend, my wife, but she's also my friend, my best friend in the entire world, I can only see the parts that she's doing wrong. And then one day there's this scripture over in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 3, I got my whole life together. Here's what it says in Matthew 7, verse number 3. Jesus says, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount at Mount Cornerstone. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you got a whole log in your own? <laughs> How can you think of saying to your friend, let me, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, buddy, when you can't see past the log in your own? He says, you hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. See, oh, come on. Thank you, 1155. Here's the deal, y'all. It's easy to see all the stuff of what somebody else is doing when you're ignoring the log that's in your eye when you're ignoring the stuff that you're doing. Because here's the truth, perception matters. Think about little Craig, two years old. Did the wall like suddenly move and then he hit the wall? No. But because he doesn't have the right perception to see the picture well, he thinks it's the wall's fault. What if, just saying, what, what if some of it really is your fault? And here, here's, here's what you and I need to do. This is the same thing that, that I had to do. You see, as I'm reading this passage in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse number 3 about dealing with the speck in my eye, I realize that peace begins when you take a look in the mirror. So after years three, four, five, six, and possibly seven, one day I finally get to this place and in this point 
to where I'm having a conversation. I'm having a look in the mirror. And here's how the conversation went between me and the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, Brent, do you not realize that for the past several years in the marriage between you and Shannon, that you have spent more time breaking her down with your words than you have been building her up. You, you spent more time complaining about the dishes in the sink. I got to wash these dishes. Like, I'm tired of washing these dishes. Somebody need to get here and wash these dishes because these dishes are dirty and they stink. I, I don't want to wash these dishes. Did, did you not realize that maybe, just maybe, because your wife has to work all these crazy hours as much as she wants to wash the dishes, she's literally too tired to wash the dishes. But, Brent, do you not realize that as much as you would love for her to be able to pick your kids up, drop your kids off, all that stuff, here's what I need you to see, Brent. Her not being able to do it doesn't equate to her not having a desire to do it. Brent, do you, do you not realize that you are sitting here day after day after day after day fantasizing about the type of woman that you want your wife to be and you're not showing gratitude for the gift that she already is. As I'm, as I'm, as I'm taking a look in the mirror, here's what I recognize, y'all. I was missing the mark. Here's the truth. I think I'm talking to a room full of people to where you have also missed the mark. You only saw what you wanted to see. But here's what I know about missing the mark. You know what God gives you and I? It's two things, grace, mercy. And when he extends this grace and when he extends this mercy, help me, Holy Spirit, it allows you and I to go through this process of being peacemakers and not peacebreakers. It allows you and I to go to this process to see things from a different perspective. Again, the reason why my marriage is thriving today is because not just me, both of us have learned the art to take a look in the mirror. And again, it's just a relationship. It's just a friendship. Share your story with you real quick. Not too long ago, I was sitting at home and I was watching this show on TV. It's a really cool show. It's a sci-fi show. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. The name of the show is called uh, The Man That Fell from Earth. It's a really good show. Uh, you should go check it out. It's only like eight episodes. And here's what the show is all about. Uh, there's this man that's on this foreign planet, and his planet is dying. And the only way to save his planet, he's got to get water from Earth up to his planet. So this man comes down from his planet. He comes to Earth. He learns real quick. And on Earth, there's this company that has the technology to get the water uh, from Earth to his planet. So he goes and he makes a relationship with this company. And here's what you need to know about the company. The company is owned by this family. And the dad is the CEO of this company. And the dad is up in age. Uh, and he's getting ready to pass the company on to one of his two kids. He's got a son. He's got a daughter. 
So one day he takes his daughter for a walk. It's a beautiful scene. It's, it's green grass. There's water. There's mountains. The weather is brisk. It's a great day. He goes and he takes his daughter for a walk, and he says, and let's pretend his daughter's name is Amy because I don't remember her name. He says, Amy, you know I'm getting ready to pass the company on. And here's what I need you to know. I'm going to pass the company on to your brother. He says, the reason why I'm going to pass the company on to your brother, Amy, is because I've watched you over the last several years. And here's what I've observed. You have a tendency to when you make decisions, you've got a tendency to make decisions in the moment. You've got a tendency to respond to what's happening in the moment. And the reason why I'm going to pass the company on to your brother is because as I've observed your brother, your brother has this ability to take a step back and see the whole board. Your brother has this ability to see the big picture. Because the truth is, is, in order for you to lead this company, you can't make decisions in the moment. You've got to be able to see the big picture. Amy looks at her dad and says, Dad, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Pushes him over a cliff. He dies, and she takes the company over. What a great show. <laughs> Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because there is such a truth that was found in that conversation. Here it is, Amy has the opportunity to lead this amazing company. This company that's a Fortune 500, this company that has technology that no other company has. But she misses out on her opportunity because she can't see the big picture. How many of us miss out on the opportunities to have an amazing relationship, but because we got a log in our eye, because we can't take a step back, because we can't take a look or haven't taken a look in the mirror, we've missed out on the opportunity for something amazing. Here's the truth. God hasn't called you and I to be peace breakers. He's called us to be peacemakers. And peace begins when you, who's not a two-year-old but a mature believer, makes the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to own my part of what was done wrong. Wrong. I'm going to take a look in the mirror. So here's what I want you to do. Y'all got some homework this week, and we're going to continue this conversation next week. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the person who you may be at odds with. Think about what went wrong. Think about what was said. Think about all those things. And here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to stop, and I want you Take a look in the mirror. I want you to stop and I want you to ask yourself, what did I do? Ask yourself, what do I need to work on? Ask yourself, what role can I play to potentially make this right? What role did I play in making this go wrong? Again, it might only be 2%. It might only be 1%. But here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is asking you and I to do. Make the 1% right.
Because the goal, y'all, is not to get back at them. The goal is to get back with them. And after you've taken the time, after you've gone and meditated on what parts you might have done wrong, here's what I want you to do next. You can do it because you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It might be hard, but you can do it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a conversation with that person. And I want you to say, look at them in the eye and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. Take it up a notch and say, hey, will you forgive me? I didn't intentionally mean to do what I did. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Because here's what I know. If you're a mature believer, the truth of the matter is, is it's your responsibility to go first. And I know for some of you this is going to be hard because there are some people you have a relationship with that's broken, and it's been broken for a long time. Two years, three years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. A lady asked me during service today, well, what do you do when you want to say I'm sorry, but you, the other person doesn't want to forgive you back? Well, you come back next week. We're going to have that conversation. Amen. This week, I just want you to practice saying those two words. And I'm, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Take a look in the mirror. Because here's the reality. Peace begins when you and I take a look in the mirror. Amen? All right, let's pray. Hey. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word today. Thank you so much for what you said to each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, we don't want to be peace breakers. We want to be peace makers. And as difficult as this may be, Lord, this week we're making a commitment to look in the mirror. Speak to us. Show us what parts we need to get right, where we messed up the whole nine yards. And Lord, would you give us the grace to be able to look at someone and say, hey, will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Because the truth is, is you forgave us. We thank you. We bless you. That's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Wow, what an awesome message. That was so powerful and impactful. And if that really impacted you in any way and you just need to talk through some things, do not hesitate. You can text prayer to 21999 and we are here and we would love to know how we can pray for you. Other than that, we hope that you are just blessed through the rest of your week and we'll see you next weekend.